0: And so, uh, I'm going to be telling this from the perspective of one of the people in the story that we're covering today. And um, just so you know, um, to make the story work, I had to add little things in there. I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible or anything like that. So, I don't want you guys going home and being mad like, oh gosh, that guy's a heretic. He was adding to the word. So, that's why we read this story beforehand, the scripture beforehand. That's the facts. Um, If there are facts that I'm explaining, it'll be very obvious to that um, extent. So let's start it. I am going to now transform before your very eyes into somebody else. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Bob. Uh, You probably know me better as the crippled beggar that Peter and John healed in the beginning of Acts. And I'm here today to tell you about the greatest man that I know. And he's the greatest man because only he could heal a man like me. And I'm not just talking about physically. Now, I don't want to assume you all know my story here, so I just want to share it briefly with you. So it's already said, I was, I was a crippled beggar. And that life is not easy. It's very humiliating being a crippled beggar. People ignore you, people spit on ya, people call you names. I mean, it's no fun just sitting there every day and just asking for money, but that's all I could do. That's what I had to do just to survive. Luckily that all changed. I remember that day, oh, such a wonderful, wonderful day. I mean, it's one of those days that you, you'll never forget like your first kiss, right? It's just etched in your memory. It was such a powerful day. It started out like any other day. My friends and family took me up to the temple to beg. And as I was going about my business, you know, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, this man called my attention. I found out later his name was Peter, and his friend was John. Now when I looked at this man, Expecting to get some money, well, I kind of was a little scared because he really just looked like a fisherman to me. Just a normal man, and so I figured, all right, he's going to give me a nickel. Or worse, yeah, like this guy's just going to yell at me and call me lazy and stupid and, and all this stuff. Man, I'll tell you what, I was so wrong because this man gave me something better than anything I'd ever received before in my life. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And instantly, I could could feel this change taking place in my life. I never felt my legs before. My, my, My ankles. I could wiggle my toes. Do you know how excited it is to wiggle your toes after 40 years? All because of Jesus Christ. Well, well, as this happened to me, I, I, I couldn't help. I mean, I was jumping up. I was like, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Woo! Look at, look, look at, look at, I can walk. Praise God. Praise God. And, you know, being there for 40 years, you get to know some people. And obviously I was creating a scene because everybody came to see what was going on. And Peter, he was a smart guy. He took advantage of this. He started preaching. started telling everyone about what had happened to me, how Jesus Christ had taken care of this, how he was crucified and resurrected. Now, unfortunately, with this big crowd, we also drew the attention of the, the temple guard. And so the temple guard came over and kind of broke up our party. And it was late at night, so they just took, took us and they threw us in jail. I mean, I don't know why. We were, we were just praising God and whatnot. But, I mean, the Sadducees were in control at that time. If you don't know what the Sadducees are, they, they were one of the religious groups, um, like the Pharisees. You've probably heard of the Pharisees. And uh, it's kind of like the Democrats or Republicans today, you know? Pharisees, Sadducees didn't really get along. Um, so you could say that the, it was a Sadducee-controlled senate at the day. And they don't like resurrection, all right? They, they don't believe it's true. And so maybe that's why, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's why they threw us in jail because they were talking about resurrection or maybe they were, it's because they mentioned Jesus. I, I don't know. But they took us, they threw us in jail, and it was a long time. And so the next morning, they took us in to the Sanhedrin, which was the council, kind of like the Senate or or a court system where they would hear our story and and determine our fate. And let me tell you, when I walked in that room, um, my legs started shaking again, all right? Because I was scared. I mean, anybody who was anybody was there. Caiaphas, who used to be the high priest, the new high priest, Alexander, I mean, everybody was there. All the powerful leaders were there. And what made me nervous was, well, this is the same group of people who just months ago sent Jesus to the cross. And now these guys were talking about him, and I just kind of got lumped in with them because they healed me, but I was just like thinking like, uh, they're on their own. Um, I got nothing to do with them, right? Because... I don't want to get crucified like Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Another thing that worried me was that these two fishermen—they just—they just spent all night in the jail cell praying. They were just just calm, just sitting there praying, singing a few songs, and and I remember I was a baby Christian at the time, and so. I had a question. I'm like, uh, yeah, I know you guys are uneducated and the whole religious thing. I get, I get that. But, um, don't you think you should be like figuring out what you're going to say, like preparing your argument or, you know, calling the lawyer up, you know, Brad Pistotnick, you might want to give him a call, you know, to defend yourself. And they told me something that I just thought they were crazy at the time, but later that day, I found it so true. They told me that when Jesus was with them, he told them about this day. He told them that when you are before the courts, do not worry about what you will say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words at the right time. And so the council, they started questioning these guys, asking them, how did you do this? Who gave you the power to do this? You know, whose name did you heal us? How did you do this? I mean, really what they were getting at is, all right, who said you could heal this man? Because we're in charge here. We did not say that you can heal this man. All right, and we don't, we don't go for that around here. All right, I mean, that, that, that's what they were saying. That's what they were asking Peter and John. This fisherman, he's just standing up there, and just so boldly, with such authority, just looks at these most powerful men in the land, and he says, you want to know how this, we healed this guy? You, you really want to know? All right, but just so you know, and so everybody in this whole land knows, this guy was healed by Jesus Christ. And he didn't stop there. I mean, not only are they talking about resurrection, right? Not only are they talking about Jesus who they just killed, but Peter had the boldness to really blame them for killing Jesus. And he just didn't say, well, you know, you kill them. He uses Old Testament scripture to do it. that's like the ultimate diss, all right? Here's the guys who are supposed to know the Old Testament, know religion, and he's using their stuff against them, right? And he tells them, well, you know, Jesus is the stone that you guys, who are supposed to be the builders, you guys rejected. But God has now made him the cornerstone. Now, if you don't know what a cornerstone is, cornerstone, I mean, exactly what his name says It's the stone that goes in the corner. But it is the most important stone in any building. I mean, yeah, they look really nice and draw attention, but both walls are set off of that stone. Every other stone is built on top of that stone. So if that cornerstone isn't right, if that cornerstone's out of alignment, your whole building's out of alignment. If that stone is weak and crumbles, the whole building crumbles. The cornerstone is the most important piece of a building. And so when we say that, and what Peter was saying is Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, meaning he has to be the cornerstone of your faith and your life. Meaning he is the most important thing in our lives. He is the most important thing of our faith. Because if if we make something else our cornerstone, our faith is off, our life is off. If we build our life on something other than Jesus Christ as our cornerstone, it's not gonna stand. It's gonna fall over. Cornerstone. Now, maybe you're asking yourself, why Jesus, though? Why does Jesus have to be my cornerstone? Well, as Peter continued with his argument, he said that there is salvation in no other name. There's salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's why Jesus must be our cornerstone. Because only Jesus can do it. Only he is strong enough, only he is true enough to build our lives upon. Only Jesus, or Jesus is the only son of God who died on a cross to pay the price of our sins. Only Jesus is our sacrifice. Only Jesus can pay our debt. Only Jesus can free us from our sins when we put our faith in him. Now, trust me, after being crippled for 40 years, I had tried a lot of different things to get better, all right? I mean, I went to doctors, I talked to the priests, tried magic potions, other religions. I mean, pretty much if anyone came up to me and they said, hey, you know, try this, right? Can't hurt, might as well try it. I tried it. But in the end, none of them worked. Until Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, what a sweet and precious name. I mean, just when I hear the name, I feel stronger. Because Jesus, what he has done for me. Only Jesus that healed me. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't good enough for it. It was Jesus. Only Jesus. Nothing else added. And if you're thinking I'm talking just about my legs, you're way mistaken. When Jesus does a healing, it's a complete healing. It's not just physical, it's emotional. It's intellectual. Most important, it's spiritual. See, the Greek that Luke used in the book of Acts here to tell in my story, it's kind of hard to translate into English because when it's talking about me being healed, it, it means the physical healing, but it also means the spiritual healing. It means a complete healing. Nothing went unhealed. I was totally transformed by Jesus. Totally transformed. Do you guys know how good that is? Do you know how awesome and amazing it is to be healed in such a way? Do you know how just wonderful it is to know that Jesus Christ has taken away my sins and fixed my relationship with my Creator? Do you know how wonderful that is? I mean, that should make you want to jump up and down. I mean, my leg's getting healed. I mean, that was enough. That was enough to be happy. But to wake up every day knowing that I, am not, I do not have to pay for my sins, that Jesus Christ stood in my place, as only Jesus Christ can do, just, just overwhelms me. It, it, it almost brings me to tears, just how amazing that is. And that is something that only Jesus Christ can do. None of the Moses and the prophets and all of them came before. They couldn't do it. They could not save Israel. They could not save people. All they did is they pointed to the one that could. All the way back in, in Genesis, all the way through Revelations, all they did is they pointed to the one who could. And that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, enough preaching, I need to get back to my store. Now, the council was anything but happy with these guys. But they were impressed by these guys. They noticed their boldness. They noticed that these guys were uneducated, untrained men. And they also noticed that they had been with Jesus. They didn't want to admit it, but they noticed these people were with Jesus and it changed them. It healed them, it transformed them. So they sent us all out so that they could talk about what they were going to do with us. And they're kind of in a pickle because they couldn't deny that something happened, right? I mean, there I was, exhibit A through Z, just like, yep, is it 40 years, see, walking, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody in Jerusalem knew me. And so people could not deny that this miracle had happened. And everyone was given the credit to God. So they'd look really bad if they denied this because people know they were lying. And they'd look really bad if they said, oh, this was magic because everyone was praising God. But they did bring us back in and they said, hey, we ain't going to deny this, but no talking about that Jesus, all right? He, no. He's off limits. And there's Peter, right? Bold as ever, all right? He just looks at him and says, all right, well, you judge for yourself. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? Kind of another slap in the face here because it kind of said, uh, you remember that stone? Yeah, you guys didn't make a good judgment there. I don't think you're making a good judgment here because we're going to listen to God. We can't but help tell of the things that we have seen and heard. And I was thinking the same thing. Like, uh, how do you expect me not to tell people about Jesus? Because according to you, you know, lying is a sin. And... uh, I don't know if you know this, but people are going to notice that something's different about me. All right, I'm not laying there anymore. I'm, I'm walking around. And so when they ask me, "How did this happen?" I got no choice. I got to tell them, "Jesus Jesus healed me." It's a powerful thing to think about that these men could not but Help! Tell of Jesus. Tell of the wonderful things that they do. The Bible talks about if people remain silent, the stones will cry out. So I need to get going, but I want to leave you guys with a few challenges. First off, if you even put your faith in Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? there is nothing else, no one else that can save you. Nothing. Jesus is the only way. You'll you'll not find your salvation in money or in love or in a relationship with somebody else. There's no salvation in knowledge or any of that other spiritual mumbo-jumbo. You'll find it only in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. I hear that today that a lot of people think that Jesus is just a good man. Or you can get to heaven by being a good person. Or Jesus is just one of many, many ways to get to heaven. Well, I'm here to tell you, none of those ideas are new. That rubbish was around 2,000 years ago when I got healed. And it didn't work then, and it ain't going to work now. It is only Jesus Christ. All the other religions of the day, you had to do stuff to earn favor with that God. Except Jesus. He took you as you were. He came and did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. Christianity is way different from every other religion because of that fact that we don't earn our salvation. It is freely given to us by Jesus Christ of Nazareth because no matter what we do, it's filthy rags before before God. We are not good enough to die for anyone. We are not good enough to save anyone. But Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. Jesus Christ freely gave up his life for us. There's no other God No other myth, no other story out there that even boasts such claims as that. Because it's foolishness to human intellect. But what's foolishness to us is wisdom to God. God was pleased to have his son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth in all his deity and to die for us. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not gonna find any other cornerstone to build your life on. Your life will be way out of whack and your life will be crumbling down before long. So make Jesus Christ your cornerstone. And this goes for believers as well as non-believers, but if you need anything, if you need healing, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, if you need a job, you need a restored relationship with some friends or family, if you need the boldness to share your story and God's story, if you need just time in your busy, hectic life to spend with God in in His Word, call on Jesus. Because there's no other name I know in all of heaven or earth or all creation that can provide that. Only Jesus can take care of all of our needs. From our head, all the way down to our toes. Have you already made Jesus a cornerstone in your life? Continue to build your life on him. Continue to spend time in a relationship with him. That's being in the word, that's being in prayer, that's being here on Sunday mornings to be with the body of Christ so that the spirit can build you up. And you can build your life correctly on that cornerstone. But don't just build. Be bold. Be bold as my good friend Peter was to tell things you have seen and heard. Be bold to tell your story. Tell other people what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And that means your salvation story of when you came to faith, but it also means, hey, this is a prayer God answered this week. Hey, this is something, one of those piles of rocks that I built up because this is where Jesus did something amazing in our family. The world is dying to hear these stories. Be bold. Tell of the things. Take the same spirit. You should be so in love with Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. You should be so in love with Jesus, but that you cannot help. But tell people about it. It doesn't matter if it's uncool. It doesn't matter if if the, the law of the land is telling you not to, as it was Peter and John. Tell your story. Obey God. Tell the world that Jesus Christ is the only way. There are plenty of crippled beggars like I used to be just out in this world waiting to hear your stories. So write them down. Practice them. Tell people in this room that they need to hear your story because ultimately it's God's story. Always be pointing to, to Jesus. Tell your stories. Thank you for letting me share my story. I hope you were encouraged.